The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined in studio by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. It's an athletic special on the podcast this week as we reflect on the performances of the West Cork contingent at the National Indoor Championships last weekend. Glengariff's Dara McElhenney was the star of the show at the National Sports Campus in Abbottstown, defending his 3,000 metre title with a blistering run of 7.49.18, setting a new record for the championships in the process. Elsewhere, Phil Healy finished second behind her Olympics teammate Sophie Becker in the final of the 400 metres, while sister Joan Healy also finished a close second behind Clarny's Sarah Lahey in the 60 metres final. Athletics journalist Carl Denny was on hand across the weekend and he'll join us on today's show to break it all down for us. We're also going to be joined by Mila Moose footballer Rosaline O'Brien of Kilnamila GA Club. She's one of 24 individuals selected for this year's LGFA Learn to Lead Female Leadership Programme and she's been chatting to Jur McCarthy. Firstly though, let's look at some of the other big West Cork sporting headlines from the last week and I suppose Kieran, the best place to start is with Cork's loss to Dublin in the National League at Park Cueve on Sunday which you were at. We said last week that John Cleary would be targeting a win against the Dubs but despite some poor refereeing decisions do you think he'd ultimately be happy with the two point defeat considering the level of performance? Happy with the performance not the result. Um, you could see after talking to John Cleary where he was not a happy camper when he came to talk about the referee. But Desi Farrell was the exact same, the, the Dublin football manager. You'd hate to talk about referees after a game. They have a hard enough job as it is, but some of these, of the refs' calls during the game, they just kind of bigger belief at, at stages. And I think from a Cork point of view, it's the fact that Ian McGuire was red-carded early in the second half for two yellow cards. And that second yellow card, OK, it was a slight tug, slight tug on... Dean Rock's jersey, but Dean Rock didn't even break stride. I would say Dean Rock didn't even feel uh, E. McGuire kind of trying to grab his jersey. But it was so, so soft. And you could see even the, the feeling afterwards from, from former footballers online to their reaction to, oh, the game's gone, the game is gone. If this is the way it's going to be refereed, if this is, John Cleary made the point after, if um, that the referee in question probably wouldn't get a game up the north because that's a physical game up the north when it comes to the championship. Um, so it just um, was unfortunate that the, some of the headlines were about the referee because the game itself was really good, especially that second half. And while ultimate, ultimately Cork lost by 2 points, 18 to 210, they came within the weight of a crossbar and David O'Hanlon's fingertips of grabbing a, a late, late goal. Cork captain Brian Hurley, 78 minute, which was the 8 minute, minute of injury time, unleashed a rasper. Um, if it went in, it would have won the game, but it, ultimately it didn't. It um, it crashed off the crossbar, so it was a, a two-point loss for Cork. It leaves them on two points after six games, but this was still encouraging, though, because Cork went toe-to-toe with one of the, the best teams in the country. Granted, it's not a Dublin at full pace, and I'd argue if Cork met, met Dublin later in the year and in, in the height of the summer, you'd see a different Dublin team. Like they rolled Jack McCaffrey off the bench the last day. They rolled James McCarthy off the bench. He's an eight-time All-Ireland winner. So they'll be a different beast once they get up and running. But I think, and we've always said in this podcast, we've got to be very realistic where this, this Cork team is. 
We're talking about a mid-table Division 2 team that's aspiring to get to the top of Division 2, ultimately up to Division 1 in, in the next couple of years. So for them to do what they did and push Dublin so for so long is, is really encouraging because I'm thinking back to last year's Cork-Dublin game, the, the, the quarter-final up in Croke Park, where Cork lived with Dublin for 50 minutes and then they faded in the last quarter. But instead, last Sunday in Parky Cueve, we actually saw Cork finishing the stronger which was very encouraging. Cork showed character when they were down to 14 men because they slipped five points behind um, when Dublin had their full 15. And again, you're like, Cork could have dipped the heads, but they didn't. They battled back and actually drew level. Um, so a lot, a, lot of, a lot of plus points. Brian Hurley was sensational. Really, really good. He scored eight points the last day. Um, but you could tell early on he was just in, He was just up for this game. He was winning ball out in front. He was showing for the ball. He was... He was accurate from freeze and from play. Like he played a real captain's role. He was one of the one of the standout players. So a lot of positives to take from Cork. But they lost the game still. Um, I think a worry too will be the lack of spread of scores. Like I said, Brian Hurley got got eight points and Cork got two two ten in total. And I think they need a, a bigger spread of scores. Stephen Sherlock had an off day the last the last day. He was on fire when they played Mead in Parky Cueve a couple of weeks ago. But the last day, whatever he kicked, um, I know he finished with a couple of points, but he just wasn't the Sherlock that we know he can be. So there's there's room for improvement. But consider where Cork are now. They lose by two points at home to Dublin. They're disappointed and they have room for improvement. So I think it's a, a good place for Cork to be as they go into Limerick this Sunday in Parky Cueve. And now the challenge for Cork is they have to win this game. They, they, really, they really do have to win this game. And it's the next test for Cork. They're coming off the back of three Leinster teams where they probably weren't favourites in, in any of those three games. Now they're going to be favourites against Limerick. And how they deal with that and how they back up the Dublin performance by putting in a performance that garners two points. It's another, it's another step in this Cork team's journey to get where, where they want to be. So I'll be looking for Cork to win on Sunday, but to put in another performance. Just briefly to finish up on this game then, Kieran. We're at the halfway stage of Division 2 of the league. Cork have lost two of their games. They've got two points on the board. If you were writing the midterm report card for John Cleary and his Cork side, what grade would you be giving them at this stage? Given oh. the level of performance has been quite good, but the results just haven't been what they would have hoped for, I guess. Apart from the Clare away win. And obviously you could argue that they should have beaten the Dubs only for a, a, a poor refereeing decision. So taking it in the context of this season only, you're probably looking at a, at a B, B minus because we're we're dealing with where Cork are right now. As like I said earlier, a mid-table Division Two team, Cork won all their games in the McGrath Cup. Then they lost to Mead in that opening Division Two game um, in Parky Cueve, and that's what we spoke about in the podcast. That was disappointing. But then they bounced back and they beat Kildare really well away from home and they competed really well against Dublin. It's looking more and more like that Mead performance was the outlier because the body of work that we've seen from the Cork footballers in their, their six games so far, three in the McGrath Cup, suggests that this Cork team is, is moving in the right direction. So I'd say B, B minus, but with, with room for improvement. And that's why this next one of games, Limerick at home, clear away, loud away, with the greatest respect to those three teams, these are winnable games. And best case scenario is Cork could be on eight points going into their last home game, which is when Derry come down. And wouldn't that be some 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 occasion up in Parky Cueve if there's something on the line for that game? Like Derry are flying, but Derry are home to Dublin. I think it's March 4th. So depending on the result, result there, if the Dubs get a result, it could mean that Derry might need a result coming down to Cork. I know this all ifs and buts, but... Um, there's optimism in your voice anyway. there, there, there is a, there's definitely optimism so I think it's been encouraging and what I like too is it's very much a settled team John Cleary has his, his, his first 15 and he's his subs off the bench and that's that consistency of selection that Cork haven't had the last couple of years so you're hoping now that the consistency of performance will follow that and in fairness it's, it's starting to um, that mead game aside so that's why I want to see another good Cork performance on Sunday against Limerick and get a win because it's just increasing that body of work and that level is more optimistic going into the summer. Good stuff, Kieran. To soccer now and Bandon star Conor Howerton has been enjoying a sensational run of form for Derby in League One of late, scoring four goals in his last eight games to help steer the Rams into the promotion picture. And given the season that Derby are having and the season that Conor is having 
with them. This seem, this move seems to have really worked out for him. Yeah, he's really found his feet of late. He's really found his feet. He's uh, four four goals in the what last eight or nine league league one games. He's a couple of assists there. I think he had another assist the weekend, didn't he? Mm. Um, so he's really found his feet in, in, in um with, with Derby and that's good because he had a couple of unsettled seasons there. He had his loan spell at Sheffield United last season, which probably didn't go as well as he would have hoped. He was on loan with Swansea uh, the season before that for, for half a season. Um, that's when his time at Villa was coming to an end. So he he had an awful lot to contend with at the time. But he's he settled in a, settled in at Derby and I think Derby fans too looking at forums, they're they're delighted now to see the real Conor Horan because if you think back to why Conor got that move to Aston Villa in, in the first place was because he was a goal-scoring midfielder, like he was a creator there. He's that magic left foot. Um, and that's why Villa came calling for him back in January 2017. And even in his early seasons with Villa in the in, in the championship, like his, his stats were really, really strong, really good because he always looks at, he sets himself a goal target. He wants to get X amounts of goals a season. But they dried up over the last couple of years because he just wasn't settled in any one team because he was moving around the place. But now he has a place to call home. He's settled into that midfield. He's getting the goals. He's getting the assists. And Derby, I think they're fifth in League One now, sort of in the promotions um, places to, to go up to the championship. So it's looking good for, for Connor, And I think that's good news too for his Ireland, for his Republic of Ireland aspirations, because we've spoken about it before as well, where he's, he's, he's well over 30 caps now. But I think he's never really cemented his place as a starter for for the for the Irish team, and even under Stephen Kinney now he's more of a of, of a of a sub. So I think it's important if Conor Horan is playing well, he's going to be in that Ireland squad. And like I'd be shocked to know if he's in the Ireland squad for the upcoming games. Um, France, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, France left two two huge huge games coming up, and to have Conor Horan on form, I think it's it's good. He's a leader on and off the pitch. Um, hopefully he can start to transform that form to Ireland if, if he gets the chance. But we talked about Brian Hurley beforehand being on form. Connor now as well. They're actually great mates, the two of them. You go back to their, their football days when Connor Horan actually played uh, football. He was a very talented Gaelic footballer with, with Benden and Brian and Connor actually on the same, um, the Cork and his schoolboys football team that played in halftime game. I think it was down in Fitzgerald Stadium in Killarney and they've been great friends ever since. So good to see the two lads going well in, in, their, in their different codes. Absolutely. Finally then, Kieran, spring has arrived. The smell of fresh cut grass is in the air and the county leagues return this weekend and naturally there's loads of West Cork interest across the weekend and I'm just going to give some of the fixtures that stood out to me going through them today on Saturday in the Cork Credit Union's Football League Clon take on Carrigaline Castletown Bear travel to Nemo and Island Rovers make the trip to take on Bishopstown then on Sunday we have a huge West Cork derby it's Castlehaven hosting Carberry Rangers Town meet St Michael's or Donovan Rossa host for Moy the Honeys travel to Knocknagree. Bantry welcome Newmarket. Bandon take on St. Vincent's and Adrigal host Boherbui. So that's just a flavour of the action across the weekend. And to your mind, Kieran, what should we be looking out for? Obviously, the eye is drawn immediately to the West Cork derby between Castlehaven and Carberry Rangers on Sunday. Yeah, football is back, baby, and we're delighted. So uh, it, it's great. We're at this time of the year now where the, the Football League is back this weekend and then the following weekend, the Hurling League is back. So the club action, they're going to stretch their legs, dust off the cobwebs, and we're, we're back into club mode. So huge games coming up. Um, Sunday morning, Castlehaven against Carby Rangers in Division 1. That's going to be a very interesting game because these two West Cork heavyweights are in the same group in the Premier Senior Football Championship later in the summer. But I think what's interesting um, for the for the opening rounds of the league, we have a lot of different or new management teams. Carby Rangers now have Seamus Hayes in charge. So this is his first senior football game as a manager. Seamus has taken over from his namesake, Declan Hayes, and he's coming up against... Castlehaven, managed by James McCarthy, one of the, the top teams in the county, one of the top three teams in, in Cork, along with Nemo and the Bears. So it's going to be a, a tough opener for Carberry Rangers. But I'll, um, I'll caveat that by saying we don't know what, what clubs have done. It's still it's the open round of the, of the league. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams get on. We have a new manager in Clannacilty. Martin O'Brien has taken over from the legendary Harley O'Neill. We have a new management team in Island Rovers and Dermot Duggan friend of the show he is no longer with Island Rovers I think he was too busy with our podcast Jack and he just couldn't give time to Island Rovers so 
Kimmer put so much work into his appearances on, on this podcast. And, and he ensured, uh, I don't know, if was, had a decent end last season. Oh, he did. Yeah. He, um, and it's taken an army, an army to, to succeed Dear McDougan. So this is their management team for our podcast listeners. Head coach is Colm O'Driscoll, um, better known as the Tide McCorrick footballer. And they have a management team of Joe Carey, Johnny Holland, Tom Young, Brian Odrish-Kewell and Owen McCarthy. So last year you had Dermot Duggan and Jason Whilley as the joint managers, but now uh, Ireland Rovers have shaken it up and they've gone with a head coach and management team. Carey of horse and hound fame, do we know? Uh, I don't know. Republican in Skibbereen. Could also be. Also member of Ireland Rovers. If it is him, there could, could well be. Our podcast listeners watching on YouTube might yeah. drop us a comment to let yeah, us know if it's D. Jorkeri. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be interesting how the different management teams find their feet in these open rounds of the league. But it's just great to have that club scene back. And of course, we'll have a lot of club football and hurling coverage in the Southern Star over the coming weeks and months. So keep an eye on that. Okay, Kieran. Coming up next, we're going to chat to Carl Dennehy about the West Cork contingent that impressed so much at the National Indoor Championships over the weekend. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union. Funding dreams for over 50 years. Kangaroo Stara McElhenney was the star of the show at the National Sports Campus in Abbottstown at the weekend, defending his 3,000 metre title with a blistering run of 7.49 18, setting a new record for the championships in the process. Elsewhere, the Balanine bullet Phil Healy finished second behind her Olympics teammate Sophie Becker in the final. Of the 400 metres, while Joan Healy also finished a close second behind Killarney's Sarah Lahey in the 60 metre final. In a few moments, we'll be joined by athletics journalist Cahill Dennehy. But Kieran, firstly, this was another star-making run from Dara. Every time he races now, he seems to make major impressions and improvements. Firstly, I'd have to correct your pronunciation of Sarah Leahy. Sarah Leahy. I was thinking. I, I don't know I too many Lahys out there, so... For our Leahy listenership in Killarney, which is extensive, like the whole Leahy family listened to us to say congrats to Sarah Leahy winning the, winning the gold. But, um, back Sarah Leahy. Right Sarah Leahy. Leahy. So apologies, Sarah. So, so, so Sarah Leahy is the 60-metre women's Irish champion. But Dara McHinney is the men's 3,000-metre champion for the second year in a row. And the Glengareth man is just dominant. This is his fourth Irish senior men's title in the last 12 months. He's won four in a row. Started last year, February 2022. He won this title for the first time, which was his first Irish senior indoor title. Then he won the outdoor 5,000 metre title for the second time. Then he won the Irish men's cross-country senior title in Donegal in December. And now he's defended his men's indoor 3,000 metre title. So the body of work that Darrell's putting together now is fierce, impressive. Like He's a man in form and he's five national titles to his name, five senior national titles, and he's just 22 years of age. So what is he going to end up with? It's um, the, the sky is the limit for Dara. But this was very impressive. I was talking to him before the, the weekend and he'd raced two races in Boston and he'd set, he'd set two indoor PBs, but he wasn't happy because the races didn't pan out the way he, he, he had hoped they would. So for him to go in and put in a, a championship record performance last Saturday, it was just the boost that he needed going into the European outdoors. The race panned out. Just how he wanted. Nick Riggs took to the front. Dara sat in behind, waited for his time, and would overlap to go. He just took off, and he ran a sub twenty-five second last lap to to street to gold. And he's going to go to the European indoors in Istanbul. They run from March second to fifth. So it was a, a really good outing for Dara. Okay, well, a man who knows all about Irish athletics is journalist Cahill Denny and Kieran. You caught up with him a little earlier on. So Darren McElhinney, back-to-back indoor champion, Cahill. It was very composed and mature performance by him on Saturday. What was your big takeaway from it? Um, I would say my big takeaway was, one, he put two... He had he's, So he had two races before this, obviously. He'd won in Boston and one... Or two in Boston, one over 3K and one over 5K. And the 3K was good. Not, I suppose, great for him because he faded the last 100 metres. But then... In Boston, kind of similar thing happened, kind of what happened to him at the Europeans in Munich last year, where he he was going for a big time, a big performance, but then he just blew up in the last lap in that race in Boston University. And I think that probably dented his confidence a little bit. And so coming back into this, I suppose it was all about, 
you know, he'd run two poor last laps in those races in Boston. And I suppose it was the, literally the opposite in terms of he just sat in, sat on Nick Griggs, did the smart thing. And we know by now that Dara has the best finishing speed in those Irish distance races and no one can live with him. And that's the way it was. And to, I think to just flip the narrative upside down, he went from, you know, dying a death in two races over 3K and 5K in Boston to absolutely blowing the doors off everyone here in Dublin. And, you know, that was with a 25 second last lap. And, you know, the guys out there on the circuit, like some of the best guys in Europe, that's the kind of finishing speed they're closing with. Now, they'd probably be doing it normally off a faster pace, the likes of Jakob Ingebrigtsen. So obviously there's a bit to go yet, but to have shown that, that is the kind of race Daryl will be looking at, at towards the European indoors. It will be that kind of, I think he ran around 750. So it's like most of those heats and even the final tend to be won in times like that, but with an absolutely blistering last lap. So I think he set himself up perfectly with that run. What you put that quick turnaround uh, down to, like you said, o- o- over in Boston, he probably wasn't happy with his final laps in boat races, but then he put in a, a 25 second last lap last Saturday. How was there such a quick turnaround? What was the difference? Was it because the race in Dublin was at its store or... I'd, I think it could even be, you know, psychological in terms of like, because Darrow was the top dog um, at, at that level at the national indoors. And he has been now for some time, like we saw it last year. And he was the best athlete in that race. But I suppose what happened in Boston was he wasn't the best athlete in the race. Um, you know, he was probably the sixth. There were, those were world-class fields. He was the sixth, seventh, eighth best athlete, maybe. And I think it can just maybe get to any athlete at times when, you know, you're going all out, but then there's someone in front of you and you're seeing them pull away from you. And I think that can maybe get inside your head a bit. Now, that's probably coupled with the fact he probably was also fading a bit and maybe was a little bit too ambitious, you know, in the third, fourth kilometer, maybe in Boston, things like that. And I think but but I think what was shown by his ambition there was that he is in great form and his training is going very well. And perhaps he just wanted to pop that really big time. And that I think was the reason he went to Boston for those races. But it kind of backfired a little bit on him because I suppose he was so ambitious. If he'd been a little less ambitious, he might have actually run quicker. But he went for it. And I suppose you can't fault his attitude in that department. But then coming back to Ireland, I suppose it was like, I am the top dog um, again. And all he needed to do was sit there and again blow the doors off everyone. And but the speed he shows, if he can transfer that same racing mentality to the European level, you'd expect to see him go very well again and you know be up there. I suppose the way he was for so much of that European five thousand meters race last year. I know the last three hundred, it it fell to pieces, but like he went ninety five percent of the way in that race as one of the top six, top eight guys in Europe. What's a realistic target for him heading to the European indoors? Well, he's ranked, it's it's so difficult to kind of make an impact at this level because there's so many guys who basically are the same as there are. They're 740 something for 3000 meters. He's ranked 19th currently in the quota and 24 athletes get in. So I think making a final, basically, if Derek can get into a European final, you know, that would be huge. I think if he can just navigate those heats, it will be difficult, but he is exactly the kind of athlete if he gets it right on the day who's pot, who's able to do that because like we said he has that finishing speed and usually with these heats at european level they don't tend to be you know running like 740 or really fast time it tends to be like 755 eight minutes but with a blazing last kilometer and i think dara probably got a bit found out at times like at the world indoors last year and a bit a bit shocked by just how quick all those guys on the circuit can close but this time i think the difference is he's not going to be surprised by it he knows exactly what's coming and based on yesterday's performance he looks ready for it you alluded to there that Dara has a lot of races under his belt um, already this year. One West Cork athlete who doesn't have that many races under her belt is Phil Healy. She made her seasonal debut at the, the National Champs um, last weekend in the women's 400 metres. I was chatting to her just last week and she was saying she was six weeks behind where she, she wanted to be. So she probably travelled up without the usual expectation last weekend, um, Cahill, and she won silver behind Sophie Becker. So how would you how would you rate Phil's opening weekend of the year? Um, this is like, this is one where like, I think it would be an insult to Phil Healy and the class she has to say it was good. Like it was bad, you know, she won silver, but it was bad. And I think Phil would say it was bad. Her coach Shane McCormick would say it was bad. And I'd say it was bad. Not that my opinion matters. And I think, you know, sometimes athletes can say, how could you say that? You know, she won silver and stuff, but I think to say anything else would be an insult to how good she actually is. Cause you have to remember that Phil Healy has run 51.50 outdoors for 400 meters. She's run 51.66 indoors. So she was over two seconds off her best indoors. And that that would that time was run last year as well over in Madrid. So like to be that far off it um, is not a good place to be, assuming she's healthy. Um, and I think that's the reason, you know, we, we 
won't be seeing her in the individual 400 out in Istanbul, but we probably will be seeing her in the relay. Um, and it's great that she's actually an athlete um, who's willing to get on the line. Because like you said, she's clearly not herself, whether that was an injury or a training not going well, whatever it was, there's a thousand different things can cause that for an athlete. And she's working, I think, now as well, which she probably wasn't all of last year. So just that can affect your recovery and things like that. But I think what's great is that she still got on the line. You know, she went to the line, probably knowing it was going to be a hit to an ego, her ego, and probably knowing it was like, not that she has an ego, by the way, but like it's to hit to anyone's ego. But that showed great courage like to get on the line and basically take your beating, but also lay it on the line and try and earn a spot on that relay team for Istanbul, which is what she's done. So I think it's definitely going to be a different indoor season for her. You know, it's just going to be probably going to Istanbul, running the leg of that women's 4 by 400 meter relay, and then just regrouping and trying to get things right for outdoors. And hopefully we'll see, I suppose, the best version of Phil Healy outdoors. Because I, I think realistically that the European indoors are next week. It, it's too soon to magically turn into like a, a sub 52 second athlete, which we know she is at her best. Because she has the qualifying standard from last year for the individual. But like you said there, it's far more likely she, she'll try and go on the relay. I think so, because I think only only two athletes can go on the 400. And you have Sophie Becker, who obviously beat her convincingly in the national championships. Um, and she has to go up. And then Charlene Maudsley, who ran under 52 seconds there last week. And she ran the 200 metres at nationals. I'm not sure why she didn't run the 400. But I think just based on that, if you're sitting down as the selectors, you'd have to go with um, Sophie and Charlene as the picks for that. And then Phil, hopefully making up a, a, a relay spot as well, um, along with the fourth member. What are your hopes for Phil heading into the outdoor season? It's hard to know, you know, I think she's always had that balance between the 200 and the 400. And I think they, they rolled the dice last year um, and made that decision not to go to the World Championships in Oregon, focusing on Munich. Now, Kira McGeehan did the same, focusing on the Commonwealth in Munich, and it paid off for Kira because, you know, I think she went up against some athletes who were probably slightly struggling with the fatigue and coming down off that peak over in Oregon. And I think for Phil, it just didn't fully work out in, in Munich, you know, individually, um, that decision. And maybe she would have been saying, maybe I should have run Oregon. Maybe she doesn't. But I think really, yeah, I think the 400 might be where her her future lies for, you know, the rest of her career. And I think especially so given that there's such strength in the relay department, you know, in terms of the women's 4 by 400 in terms of the mixed relay 4 by 400 obviously she was a world finalist. Yeah, sorry, in Oregon last year. Um, So, like, there's there's great ability there and potential for, you know, what she can do on a relay team as well towards the Paris Olympics. But I know, Phil, you know, ultimately this is an individual sport. She will want to make an impact as an, as an individual. And I've no doubt, like, she could still, you know, be in the Olympic semi-final for 400 meters next year if she gets it right but obviously so many stars always have to align for at least and it's probably not going as well at the moment as she wants it to be but you know she's got a good coach and she's a, a very mature experienced athlete so I'm sure they'll be able to find the fix in the months and years ahead One Healy sister we won't see at the European indoors is Joan Healy who's um, putting the indoor season to one side now and she's going focusing on the on the outdoor, the outdoor season and the 100 meters but she finished up with a silver medal on Sunday, Sarah Lee, he ran the race of her life to win, to win gold. But assessing where Joan is right now, I know it was a 7.33, a season best. Where would you say that, that, that Joan, would you be happy with the silver or would you be disappointed not to win the gold? I think maybe if you told her before the race she'd run 7.33, I'm sure she'd have signed on the dotted line because it was a big season's best. And, um, you know, I think she probably would have thought if I run 7.33, I should win gold against this field because some of the other athletes, you know, who might have run quicker um, in previous years, like I suppose the likes of Rashid Adelecki or Molly Scott and that weren't there. Um, so I think she probably would have been surprised that that didn't win gold because, you know, that's I think the Irish record was 7.30 up until a few years ago. So she's very close to the best marks for a long time by any Irish woman which is great running. Um, but yeah, I suppose Sarah Leahy just ran, you know, the race of her life to win that goal. So I think Joan, maybe probably walking off the finish line might have been a bit disappointed. But I think once she looked at the time, the overall picture and the trajectory, because obviously it was 7.36 in her heat, 7.33 in the final, which is quicker than she'd run, like I think 7.35 might have been her best before this. So that's a great step forward. Um, I think she was, I was looking at there this morning, she's 46 on the drop down. And I think in the quota system for the Europeans, but I think only top 40 get in. So she would need a few dropouts. I'm not even sure if that is in in her plans to go if she did manage to get in in the coming days. Um, but yeah, I mean, indoor season, it's always just like the hors d'oeuvres, I suppose, but before the main course of the outdoor season. It's for a lot of athletes, it is a way of just breaking up the training and giving themselves a bit of motivation before the outdoor season. But I think 
And I think the best you can hope for really is just to be running fast and then get back into training, take a quick break, get back into training and lay you've the foundation laid for a great outdoor season. And looking at where Joan is at right now, that's exactly what she's done. How do athletes Cahill, take the speed from the indoor season to the outdoor season? Let's say for Joan, for example, she's going to go from 60 metres to 100 metres. How can she use what she's achieved in the 60 metres and transfer that outdoors to 100? Yeah, well, I think, I, I suppose a lot of the stuff, it's kind of ironic, really, that the 60 metres is run indoors because that's the kind of year time of year where athletes typically are just doing the hard slogs. You know, they're running up through the forest, they're running up hills, they're doing a lot of over-distance endurance work. Um, and then, but ironically, I suppose, once they get on a track and start racing, you know, the 60 metres, it's, 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 it's start position, it's acceleration, it's pickup. And then basically before you even get to, I suppose, the phase where they're trying to maintain their speed, the race is over. So you don't really see the benefits, but I would assume that Joan has done all that work. Every sprinter has, she's clearly in good form. So I'm sure she's done all that kind of endurance work. It sounds kind of ironic to people maybe who, and I don't run the 100, but like to non-sprinters that, you know, but it is from 60 metres to 100 metres, sprinters are slowing down. Mm -hmm. So that's the part of the race where you do need all that heavy work to kind of maintain your speed as best as possible. Um, but I think the one thing we've seen basically from Joan this indoor season is that her her block starts, her her acceleration and her pickup, those parts of the races are definitely in great working order if she's running a 7.33. So I think she can look forward to going at that PB for 100 metres on the outdoor season. Finally, taking West Cork out of the picture for a second. What was your highlight from the National Champs the weekend? Oh, I'd have to say Israel Olatunde was amazing, 6.57. I mean, I think everyone thought eventually he's going to break that 60-metre record, but 6.61 was where it was at by Paul Hessian. And to take 400s off it is a massive chunk in 60-metre terms. It's a whopper of a of a reduction. like so. And again, he's, I mean, what was he, fifth in Europe last year, sixth in Europe, and um, over 100 metres. There's no reason now he can't be thinking European 60-metre final. There's about 25 guys who will be thinking the exact same thing and believing they can get into it. So it will be difficult. It'd be no surprise if he goes out in the semi-finals over in Istanbul. But it's just brilliant alongside Rashida Adelecki and so many others like Phil, who was challenging just off a medal at the last European indoors to now have a guy going over there. And, you know, like realistically, it would probably take something in around 650 to win a medal, which is another long way down to get to really be hunting the medals over there. But to think we might have another Irish sprinter in a European final would be a very exciting for everyone to get on board with next week. This is an incredible time for Irish sprinting. Like you mentioned there, Rashida Adelecki, what she's doing is just off the charts altogether. What Israel Olatunde did last weekend. It's like, it's this golden generation coming through. It really is. It's it's amazing. Like, you know, and I think every time, even as a as someone who writes about the sport and Rashida Adelecki, given she ran like 50 races last year, you're just on watch every weekend. Is Rashida running somewhere over in Texas or Albuquerque? Where is she running? Because every time she steps on the track for the next six months, it's going to be like possible national record, possible leading European time. Um, and she is tracking towards, you know, being, it's no exaggeration, being to being a candidate for an Olympic medal in Paris 2024, if everything goes well for her over the next 18 months, that's not unrealistic given the way she's already running right now. Um, and certainly like a, a finalist at global level, perhaps this year in Budapest and in Paris, like that they're, those are both realistic. So yeah, it's brilliant to see. And then even on the distance side, you have a guy like Nick Griggs, the, the young 18 year old star coming through. So yeah, I think lots and lots to look forward to in Irish athletics. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Carl. Very welcome. Thank you. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. West Cork Club, Keel Namila PRO and Mila Moos footballer Rosaline O'Brien is one of 24 individuals selected for this year's LGFA Learn to Lead Female Leadership Programme. Launched four years ago, the LGFA's Learn to Lead Programme was devised to develop the next generation of female leaders within ladies Gaelic football. And Rosaline has been speaking to Ger McCarthy. Now here on the Southern Star podcast, it is uh, a great thrill to have somebody, a representative of the Keel Namina Club in West Cork, PRO for that club, as a matter of fact, and also a footballer with the Mila Moose Club, who we've heard a lot about in the past, and we're going to be hearing a lot about uh, in the near future as well. Uh, the Southern Star is delighted to welcome Rosaline O'Brien to the podcast. Rosaline, how are you? Hi, Ger, how's it going? It's going really well. Um, the reason you've been on, invited onto the Southern Star podcast is you are one of 24 
uh, individuals from the entire country that is going to take part in the LGFA's Learn to Lead program at the end of March. So congratulations on that, on being added to that. Um, can you tell us, first of all, uh, obviously your background in ladies football is heavily involved uh, with the Milamoos in recent times, but the Learn to Lead program, you're currently involved in another program before you actually get to that national one. So what do you actually work at at the moment um, and what have you been involved with? So I'm just nearly finished. Um, I started the Provincial Leading Females course uh, last year and it's coming to an end on the Saturday, the 4th of March. Um, so it's been absolutely fantastic. And because of doing that course, then um, when the applications came out to stay for the Learn to Lead, um, I was just so excited and empowered kind of by that course that I just wanted to learn more. Um, so I applied for that and I'm delighted that I got a place in it, um, which will be starting the 20, Saturday, the 25th of March in Dublin. So I'll be meeting the other 23 representatives as well, our participants on the course. Yeah, con yeah congratulations, because it's not like a lot of people apply for this. It's a national programme. It's a very, very important one. And it's an informative one. And you're concentrating on the PR and media module. Why is that? Um, I suppose last year um, I'm coordinator for the Gaelic One of Sons team. We call ourselves the Mila Moos. We're Keela Mila's team. Um, and I suppose last year we kind of did a social media campaign um, and I was kind of doing, say, the, the Instagram and the Facebook, another girl, Michelle, was doing the Twitter. And I kind of just, I always kind of had a, had a bit of a love for PR, but when I started kind of doing it, I got a little bit upset. <laughs> um, so I just kind of, when I started doing the other course, then um, I just kind of got a fierce love for it and kind of loving all the latest football stuff. Um, so, so I'd give it a, a lash and see how I get on with it. Um, so really looking forward to starting it. Uh, well, giving it a lash is one thing. You, you have been, Keelamina, first of all, and uh, Mila Moose have been very proactive um, on social media uh, over the years. So congratulations on that, because you've certainly certainly, uh, certainly made yourselves known to the point that you were so successful that RTE's Pascal Sheehy, you got to meet him. How did that come about and, and, and what happened there? Uh, well, I suppose we were after getting, we were after getting our place to play in the Ladies All-Ireland final last year um, at halftime time for the exhibition games. So we kind of started, I just got an idea. There was only 10 people allowed to play um, on the day. And we have a big, huge group of women that play. So I kind of just wanted to kind of share the love a little bit. And we just started doing a bit of a media campaign where we were just, I just started targeting, or not targeting, emailing different radio stations, different things like that. So I just tweeted Pascal for the crack, um, not knowing that he was blown Kerry for the homecoming and disturbed him, but unfairness to him, he gave me a buzz after it. And he came down the week of the All Ireland. He came down, and we went live, and we were on RT News then, um, the night before the All Ireland. So it was fierce exciting because we were watching in Dublin. So it was really exciting to watch it. And the Mila Moose squad, of which I think there's about forty-two now, uh, got to uh, yeah. We started off. We started off the first night with forty-two women, and like there's no pressure to ever be at training. So it kind of comes and goes. Uh, different people at different trainings. There's always kind of a core gang that are a bit obsessed by it, but we love it. Like it's just so much fun. But this is a Gaelic Mothers Forers initiative that got a lot of women like yourself living in a rural area, just happens to be in West Cork, got you back out engaging with one another, playing a bit of football, but more than anything, having fun for your physical health, but also for your mental health. It's been a huge success for Mila Moos and Keila Mila. Yeah, I suppose it started kind of August 21. Um, and I got involved in the Keila Mila Club and my daughter started under eight. I kind of couldn't wait. I'd given up football. <laughs> Um, when I was 16 so well I've been talking about going back for literally 24 years um, but never happened and I suppose I never kind of we we had no more we didn't have a minor team in my club um, I'm from the school they have a fantastic club going now um, and I suppose when I started I just started helping with the under 10s and with the second I started playing football I was just got obsessed again straight away so we kind of started off laughing and next thing the following week um, our fantastic coach Dwayne Toomey took us on board and with a couple of other coaches and it was 42 women arrived the first night the majority of people i'm one of the few that have played football before the majority of people have never kicked a ball in their lives um and it's just gone from strength to strength it's so like it's more it's such a social thing more than anything it's like a lot of us are not from the area we're from different areas within within west cork and we all just come together and have a laugh and no one takes anything seriously and it's just all about the fun more than anything it certainly is all about the fun from a lot of your social media posts. They are quite funny to watch. Uh, but at the same time, as I said, it's an important thing because Mila Moves are an example of what you can do with the Gaelic Founders for Others programme and get, get people out of the house, 
get them moving, get them for your physical activity, but also for your mental health. I think it's a fantastic thing. You've obviously done very, very well with that. It's usually popular, but you weren't even concerned. That wasn't even enough for you. You had to become PRO of Keelan Arena and get involved in that side of it and start promoting the club. And is that where the love of the PR and maybe the love of the social media and promoting your club, that's what's led to the provincial programme that you're on. And now you'll be heading off to a Learn to Lead national programme as well. Yeah, I suppose I'm only just after taking over as PRO this year for the club. Um, but we actually applied for Our club has been very lucky, actually, in the last year for everything's happening. Um, we've, we got awarded the Gaelic for Girls programme as well. Um, so I'm going to help you out as one of the coaches. And even for an example of the Gaelic Mother's Mother's Initiative, um, there's six or seven of the coaches were actually all Milamoos. Um, so like a lot of the girls have never played football or some have played maybe in primary school as well. And now that they've got a love for football as well as all the social crack, like we now want to kind of, you know, like give it back, volunteer, help the girls out, get more involved in the club. Um, and I suppose from the PR side of things, just to promote the club more, we're a small club. Um, but the second I walked in that day, I actually never forget it. It was the first night and straight away, like, like they were just all so welcoming. It's like being part of a family there. Everyone just, everyone is welcome. It's just a really inclusive club. So I just, I, the second I got there, I just knew it was going to be for for me and I just wanted to kind of give it my all. That's why I'm kind of getting involved in the different sections of it. For somebody, I think you're, Rosalind, I think you're typical of a lot of women who would have played football. I think you played up to the age of 16. Yeah. Then life takes over. Maybe you lose a bit of interest. Other things are happening. Obviously, you got married. Uh, you've had children. And, you know, the time that you could have given to sport is gone. It's taken up with everything else. You're an example of somebody that's gone back to it because you've got a pure love of the football. I know you're playing, you know, you're playing with a group of people. Maybe some, as you said, don't necessarily or have never, haven't necessarily got the experience you have. But it's about staying fit. It's about the love of football being rekindled. But you also have a connection from your school time to a famous Cork LGFA All-Ireland winner as well. Can you tell us about that and who that individual is? Well, my first cousin, um, Elaine Hart, was won eight All-Ireland medals. Um, she was Cork's goalkeeper. She was amazing. And I suppose as a girl, like when I was growing up, like I just loved Elaine. Like she was just, like she is amazing for everything she's still doing as well. Um, and I suppose I was always like, would love to be more like her and kept going. I just probably didn't think I was probably good enough to kind of join another club or different things. Um, but definitely, like, we used to go to the All-Ireland Finals to see her. Definitely a massive regret, like I was telling you before, Jer, is, like, that I didn't go to more league matches, more finals. Like, I was at a lot of GA, men's GA matches, and I felt, I feel now, I really want to kind of bring my daughter to more ladies' football matches. Um, we went to the Cork versus Dublin match in Parky Ring there a couple of weeks ago. We brought a busload from Keelamila and it was brilliant. The kids loved it. The teenagers loved it. We loved it. There was plenty of Mila moves on the bus. And like you were all there watching. Oh, that's what you do. Take your four step. You know, like all that kind of stuff. They learn the rules. But I definitely from, I think I'm only realizing in the last kind of two years since I went back playing, how much I didn't support it when I was younger and how women really, really need to support the ladies football team. Um, like both Cork, but even our local clubs to get more um, people coming to matches is just so important. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast and in a few moments we're going to preview this week's paper but first off we're joined by our producer Dylan Mangan who from next week will be taking over hosting duties of the podcast and Dylan who's a big Liverpool fan so it's great timing to get you on considering their performance against Real Madrid in the Champions League final last night so Dylan obviously I'm a Liverpool fan as well what did you make of that 5-2 hammering? It was maybe great timing for everyone else, not so good timing for me. The last time I was on the podcast was back in August, just after Man United beat Liverpool 2-1. Um, and I remember saying then that um, things were going to be okay, that uh, Nunes is going to come good and, you know, no need to worry too much about, about anything. Um, since then, obviously, uh, both teams' trajectories have been maybe not exactly how as I would have wanted them to be. Uh, last night was such a strange game because they started off so well and um, it kind of felt like 
one of those performances from a couple of years ago in the Champions League, reminiscent of Barcelona, that kind of thing, where they just come out and blow a team away. Um, but the, I guess the one thing we've learned about Madrid, especially in the past couple of years in the Champions League, is that you can't count them out, even in the last minute of, of injury time. Liverpool gave them 75 minutes yesterday to come back and just watching um, Modric and Benzema like stroll around the pitch is just incredible yesterday. And they were... Um, as bad as Liverpool were, Madrid were great as well. So um, it's a, it's a hard one to to kind of stomach, but you're just watching it kind of in awe of, of Madrid. At least I was anyway. But in fairness, Fabinho strolled around the pitch too. <laughs> I don't think he broke sweat last night, did he? So it's kind of almost uh, the Liverpool form of late. But before we keep going, Jack Dylan's taking over the hosting duties next week. Do you want to care to tell us why Dylan is taking over the hosting duties? You've decided to to leave this parish in your your movement onwards and, and upwards? Well, because of Fabinho's poor performance last night, I've been signed as a central midfielder for Liverpool, so I'm taking over the, the main kind of holding role in Liverpool's midfield from next week. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be available to do the podcast with you anymore. But no, in all seriousness, I am leaving the Southern Star, unfortunately. After four years, but I'm very happy that uh, we have another Liverpool fan to step in and take over hosting duties because obviously it's been a, a great pleasure to do this podcast with Kieran and later with Dylan over the last number of years. I think we're well into the 200s now mm-hmm. and we haven't killed each other yet. No, there no. has been some moments where I would have disagreements, liked, uh, yeah, kind yeah. of yeah, light, light disagreements. I'll put it like it's never come to I physical. Just a glimpse of us there in the in the screen though. We've definitely aged poorly. I would say me more so. I think I've definitely got got grey over the age. Your hair just got a bit wilder. It has. And, and my, I've definitely got great, but I put that down to the, the stress of working with Liverpool fans the last couple of years when, when things are on a high. But now you'll see me naturally de-age over the next couple of years as United come back. So, um, But I just want to take this chance, Jack, to say, as you, as you leave this parish and move on, to say thank you so much for everything you've done for, I suppose, the Southern Star and this podcast. As Dylan was just telling us there, the 216 episode of this podcast, and you've been involved in every one from the start. And this is one of your your babies in the start when you when you came on board. So you've you've certainly left your your mark on West Cork sport more so on the podcast you did you did on the pitch because you've spoken before about your your career with with Baltimore and you have done lots of hurlers. And it's almost the less said about that, the better because we're still looking for footage of this this. 45 yards spectacular I'm still quite happy with my performances with the Baltimore Crabs I have to say Less you're probably so the only one I would think so yeah with Baltimore hurlers, I, yeah. I could have maybe put in a better shift for them but, um, but, no, but you've been uh, what you've done for the Southern Star for the sports and you used to cover me in the sports section as well so you were very much a, a, a go-to man for the, for the Star sports section over the years so just say thank you so much for everything best of luck in, in the next chapter of, of your life and we might get you on in this podcast as a guest in the years to come as you go on to uh, to take over the world. We might bring you back down here. Well, my fee will be considerably higher than it has been for the last number of years. So, yeah, you're going to have to... Break the bank. Break the bank. But I think it's probably... It's worth it. It's probably worth it. Maybe you can get me back for episode 250 and episode 300 and what have you. And I'll just mm-hmm. come along and uh, slag you off. But, yeah, it's been a pleasure, Karen. Thanks very much for doing the podcast with me. And uh, we've had a good old run of it. But... Um, Let's switch our attention now to this week's Southern Star Sports section mm-hmm. because we can never end the podcast without looking at what's in the sports section on Thursday. And it is Wednesday now, so we're late releasing this. So this is our last chance to sell the paper. We're all going to lose our jobs if we don't get this podcast out soon. So yeah, there's loads in as usual. Just a couple of the quick highlights off the top of my head. We have a lovely story about the Clannacilty Community College under 14 soccer team that is travelling to Italy the end of April for the inaugural Adriatic Cup. And why, why this is an interesting story, Clannacilty Community College will be taking on the academy sides of Lazio, Roma, Udinese and Bologna. So that's the company they're going to be keeping, Dylan, when they fly over to Italy at the, at the end of April. So I have an interview with their manager, Stuart Dollery, who wants to put a call out there to any local business who would love to come on board and help sponsor or give something towards this, this kind of Kilty team that's going to represent West Cork and West Cork soccer and West Cork sports. So they have a lot of great sponsors already. And the full story is in Theresa Southern Star. So this is for our podcast listeners if anyone from the Clannacilty area or West Cork want to get behind this Clannacilty Community College team, uh, I think um, we've all the details in Torres Star how you can get in contact. Of course, we've full coverage of the 
the, the Cork footballers lost to Dublin. The, the Cork Camogie team got their campaign off to a brilliant start. They beat, well, they hockey Dublin last weekend, but they have some injury concerns that we detail in Thursday Southern Star and the Cork ladies footballers lost to Galway. Speaking of the county league, we have a full-page interview with Dylan O'Donovan of O'Donovan Rasa, and he's the son of Gene O'Donovan, who's the O'Donovan Rasa manager. And it's it's well worth checking this out because sometimes when you start talking to fellas, you, you, the real story starts to to pop up when you when you're just just having a chat. And he's actually um, huge into aviation. And he's working with AirTech up in Limerick. So we talk about his passion for aviation. And there's some brilliant pictures here because he goes around inspecting planes. Excuse me. He goes, um, he travels to Poland, Spain, Portugal, inspecting planes. Is he, are they airworthy? So it's, it's quite an interesting piece. We have the usual rugby, soccer, road bowling. A very good interview with Clara Crowley is the captain of the Clannacilty hockey team. And I actually had Clara here on work experience years ago and now she's obviously I had a huge impact on her and now she's captain of the the Clannacilty uh, senior women's hockey team so we've that and a lot lot more so it's it's a really packed Southern Star on on Thursday Jesus, t- on Thursday which is tomorrow we also have page specials on the Kil- recent Kilbritton victory dinner dance and the Carberry score in the Bosch T finals that were held in Berniscarty Hall as well so there's something for everyone and I just want to welcome Dylan on board as the new host of the podcast. Dylan is going to be, we're really going to ramp it up for next week. We're going to take this podcast to the next level. Now, it feels like there's dead weight been cut from us and we're just going to move to the next level with this podcast. So I, I, I'm excited about what's in store. I've been waiting in the wings for a long time, Kieran, <laughs> and I've been making lots of plans. So yeah. um, Bring it not, on. To, not to oversell things, but everyone better tune in next week as well. I think so, yeah. And you too, Jack, wherever you are in the world, you'll have to tune into the podcast to see what we up our sleeves. I will tune in, but I will sign off by saying, if you can't make it to the shops this week for whatever reason, you can always subscribe to the Southern Star online. Just go to www.subscribe.southernstar.ie and read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast today and always. And thanks as well. To our new host and producer, Dylan Mangan, if you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán